Hey, hey, Met fans, happy Thursday. How are you all doing? If you're a Met fan like me, you're doing pretty good at regarding the Mets. Yes, last night we won our third straight against Philly, and today, weather permitting, and it looks like we'll get the game in. It looks like rain off and on today, but I think they're going to try and get the game in. I didn't think so yesterday, but it looks like it may be happening. We got the DeGrominator, greatest pitcher on the planet, Jacob DeGrom going against Zach Eflin today. So hopefully we uh, can win today. But before we do that, let's talk about yesterday. And it wasn't wheels up in Zach's return to City Field. No, it was, I would like to say, wheels down. Because he ran into, I think I would like to call his replacement, David Peterson. As we recall, David did not have that great a game uh, last time out against Philly. But revenge is sweet. It always tastes a little bit better, doesn't it? And David Peterson was on fire yesterday. Uh, he rocked. He, he was the main man. He matched a career high with 10 strikeouts and he had just two hits over six innings while mowing down the Phillies 5-1 in God's country, City Field. How sweet it was. I'm loving how everyone's pitching well in the beginning of the year. So much different than last year when we just couldn't get our act together as a staff. And we knew we had good pitching. We just couldn't get together. But hopefully this year is a normal year, 162 games, and these guys are going to get into their groove. They had a spring training, and I'm ready to rock and roll. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling good. And even Willie Rojas said yesterday about David Pearson, you could tell he was on a mission tonight. This kid does not get in his head. He just goes and corrects what he needs to correct, and he goes after it. And that's a true sign of a good competitor and a good pitcher that when you're knocked down, you get right back up. And on that horse and do what you got to do. And Peterson did exactly that yesterday. So nice to see. Uh, very encouraging. And the thing is, the sky is un unlimited for David Peterson. As a lefty, I always love lefties. They're a little bit of a late bloomer. And he's only, he's only 25 years old. And what even, if you were watching a game yesterday, what composure this kid has. Unbelievable. Uh, he showed it last year in his rookie season. And he did it again yesterday, and uh, he's going to be one of the backbones of this pitching staff. I just know it. We can't go by last week's performance where he just wasn't that good, but I'm feeling good. And now it kind of eases the pain of Zach Wheeler being on the Phillies with his big contract. Things happen for a reason, I always say, and I always root for Zach. Uh, I loved him as a Met. I just think he needs to get his pitching talent harnessed. And he could be a late bloomer, too. He's had a few good years, a couple good half years, one great year. And uh, no one roots as hard for Zach. I'm not one of these guys when the player leaves the team, I do not root for him. I always say once a Met, always a Met. And uh, I want to see Zach do well, but last night, it didn't bother me at all that he didn't. As James McGann added his first home run as a Met, and that was good to see. And that was a two-run shot in the eighth inning. And uh, Zach was already out of the game at that point. Uh, and McCann even said being able to see guys to string together at bat, start to string together hits, and see our offense come alive to help out our pitching. We've been pitching the ball extremely well, said McCann, who went 3-4. for four. So our offense putting up runs, that's huge. Uh, and like I said, Peterson, he took the game by the horn, the bull by the horns, I should say, right off the bat and... Uh, he cruised through a 1-2-3 first inning on 15 pitches with strikeouts of Reese Hopkins and uh, Bryce Harper. And I'm so glad to see we've calmed down Reese Hoskins. He was the guy really worrying me coming into this series. But 
Uh, that was good. That set the tone right there. And uh, Peterson didn't allow a hit until uh, Gene Segura went yard with one out in the fifth inning and cut the Mets lead to two to one. So that was really his only mistake. And we'll take it if that was his only mistake, and it was. Uh, he was uh, originally scheduled to pitch Monday, Peterson, but that game got rained out, and uh, it gave Peterson, he said, uh, some time to make mechanical adjustments, and uh, he tightened things up, and it showed last night. And he said that making that small mechanical change and then just being able to get ahead of guys and really use the two-seam and slider tonight was the big difference. Just getting ahead of guys and putting yourself in a good position leads to good results. And Peterson was very uh, practical, and uh, he made use of his pitches. He only needed 80 pitches to get through six innings. And then he was removed in the bottom of the sixth inning. I like these Mets pitchers. They're pitching like 80 to 90 innings and pitching their six innings, and that's what you want to see. Uh, you don't want to see these big innings where you're giving up 30 pitches in an inning. So these guys are really toning it down and getting the job done, and I love it. And like I said, he was removed for a pincher in Obama six with two outs and runners on the corners. But uh, Jonathan Vore couldn't continue the magic the day before. Uh, he grounded out first to end the inning. Jaris La Familia. Yes, La Familia entered the seventh inning, and he walked uh, JT Ramuto. Uh, JT was the only one who really uh, hit the ball hard against Peterson. Uh, he hit the ball hard twice against Peterson. And then after Familia got a ground out, Segura... Uh, hit a dribbler to put runners on uh, the corners with one out. And that was it for La Familia as uh, Mr. Rojas went to Aaron Loop. And he got pinch hitter D.D., yes, in D.D. Gregorius to ground into an inning-ending double play, and that was huge. Now, how the Mets got out to their lead? Uh, they jumped on wheel in the first inning. Three straight singles. Bing, bang, boom. Bomp, 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 bomp. Nimmo and Doran Smith. And uh, the threesome there, they went on to combine for eight hits. That's sweet. And uh, Pete Alonzo, the polar bear, drove in a run the first to make it a 2-0 lead and added a sack fly in the seventh to put the Mets up 3-1. to one. So Rojas says uh, after the game, this is what our offense can do. Quality at-bats put together. I'm glad we got some big hits tonight. We've created situations to score. We just haven't been getting the big hit. So the bats are starting to heat up. And that's what we want to see. Don't we, Mets fans? Uh Big, big win. Three in a row against Philly. Philly was coming in the series hot. We were, uh, a lot of you guys were ready to jump off the bridge coming into this series. And my, how in three games things have turned around. So hopefully we can turn it around today and uh, turn it around, keep it going today with the Grominator. And please, let's get some runs for Jacob, guys. Come on. Give the guy a break. Let's get some runs. Let's get Jacob in the win column. This shit can't be going on forever. That's my only beef so far with the Mets season this year. We need runs for Jake. And uh, we'll be back with our usual fun stuff right after this break. So hang in there. And we're going to start off with our Jeopardy slash trivia question today as we always do. And then continue on with the fun and festivities. Hey, Mets fans. Welcome back. As we always do with our second segment, we started with our trivia question slash Jeopardy question of the day. Uh, today's question who is the all-time leader in Mets pinch hit home runs? Yes, the question is, who is the all-time Mets leader in pinch hit home runs? Think it over. Lock in your answers. As we do every day at the end of the broadcast, we will give you the correct answer. 
So think about it, lock in your answer, and be ready when called upon at the end of this segment. Now we're going to go and we're going to talk about this date in Mets history. Always fun stuff, and you guys love it. Thanks for your feedback on this. Uh, five birthdays being celebrated today. Five. Cinco. First one is Jeremy Burnitz. Remember Jeremy? He was the uh, Mets first round pick, 17th pick overall in the free agent draft of 1990. Uh, he wore number five and number 20 for the Mets. And he played four years with the Mets. 2002 was the year he got uh, basically a full-time job. He played 154 games the other years. He just really played platoon. He had 19 home runs, 54 RBIs in 2002, 215 batting average. Uh, he led the Mets in games in 154 in 2002, tied for the Met lead in home runs with 18 in 2003, led the Mets in court stealing. Well, it's not really that great a category to lead him in. With seven in 2002, led the Mets in intentional walks with six in 2003, and tied for the Mets' lead in hit-by-pitch with 10 in 2002. He had uh, two home run games, uh, one went Mon against Montreal in 2002 and Anaheim in 2003. Uh, he was basically a right fielder, uh, majority of the time did play other outfield positions, and uh, most of the time he batted in the middle of the lineup. Uh, the majority of the time he batted sixth in the lineup, 110 times, fifth in the lineup, 76 times, and batted cleanup 31 times. I always liked Jeremy. Of course, he went on to have a better career once he left the Mets when he was traded to the Cleveland Indians with Joe Roa in exchange for Dave Malicki, Paul Bird, Jerry DePoto, and Jesus Azuage on uh, November 18, 1994. So that's our first birthday we're celebrating today. Uh, the second is Ricky Otero. Who remembers Ricky? Numero uno in your scorebook. Uh, he was a left fielder. Uh, played a little bit of left, a little bit center field. Only played 35 games with the Mets in 1995. Not much to write home about. Batting 133 with a 185 on base percentage and a 176 slugging percentage. No homers, one RBI. So uh, not that much of a stellar career. He wanted to play for Phillies in 96 and 97. And then Aaron Laffey. Who remembers Aaron Laffey? Number 47 in your books. In 2013, he played for the Mets. And he was signed as a free agent in 2012 uh, after he had played with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, he pitched in four games with the Mets, had an ERA of 7.20 with 10 innings pitched. And the Blue Jays went and acquired him on waivers on April 13, 2013. So he was up for a cup of coffee with the Mets. And then uh, the Blue Jays took him right back. Gone but not forgotten, Aaron Leffy. And then Edaini Hechevarria, number 11 in your scorebook. Uh, he signed with the Mets as a free agent in 2019 after playing for a lot of teams. <laughs> uh, he, uh, we got him from Pittsburgh the year before he played for the Yankees and Pirates. And uh, he signed as a free agent right before spring training on February 18, 2019. He was released by the Mets on August 14, 2019. Uh, basically played second base, a little bit of short. Again, another one of these guys didn't last long. Not a good birthday day for these guys. Just a cup of coffee guys that couldn't hit except for Burnett's. He batted 204 and 142 at-bats. 
Then last but not least, we have Daniel Zamora. Remember Daniel from a few years back? Uh, number 73. Uh, we got him for Josh Smoker in the offseason of 2018. He pitched 16 games for us in 18, and in 19 he pitched 17 games. Overall, he had a career ERA of 4.08 with the Mets. And pitched a total of 17 innings, 16 hits, and uh, 8 walks, 24 strikeouts. So he was basically a one or two batter specialist, but we still salute Daniel Mazor, number 73. Now, as we always do, we go and we celebrate a game that happened this year in Met history. And we're going to take it back to April 15th, 1968. Yes, that's the year the Mets played in one of the longest games in Major League Baseball history. Uh, and Good thing for that, the Astrodome was open that year. Uh, otherwise, you don't want to be playing in that brutal heat, even though it was April in Texas. So I'm not sure what the weather was. Maybe I'm just taking uh, literary license and poetic license and spinning a tale that didn't exist. But it was a good day playing in the comfort of indoors. Uh, at this point in 68, when these two teams played, neither team had yet to see a winning season. Uh, but the Mets were on the precipice. Remember, this is 68 where the pitching staff was starting to come together and they were almost ready to come out and uh, take the baseball world by storm. Now, the game lasted six hours and six minutes with only one run being scored. So if you liked offense, this was not your game. If you're a pitching aficionado and defense aficionado, this is one of your games. Uh, as a matter of fact, for this game, no game had ever gone scores beyond 22 innings, and no night game had ever gone that far. And uh, Gil Hodges was our skipper, and he used eight pitchers on that night and a total of 23 players. The Astros used five pitchers and 17 overall players. Now, the Met lineup for that day, leading off, we had Al Weiss at shortstop, Ken Boswell at second, Tommy Agee in center, Ron Swoboda, Rocky Ron, batting cleanup and playing right field. Archamsky, left field, batting fifth. The Crane, Ed Cranepool, batting sixth at first base. Jerry Puchek at third base, batting seven. Jerry Grody, batting eighth. And Tom Terrific, Tom Seaver on the mound. And he was going against a good opponent, Don Wilson, that day. You know who batted cleanup for the Astros that day? Yes, indeed, what, Ron Orange. And Tom Seaver was on fire that night. Uh, he pitched 10 shutout innings, allowing two hits only, and he got the grommet effect where he couldn't get a win. He walked no one, struck out three batters, and he got a hit in the second and not another until the 10th when Rusty singled with two outs. So Tom was basically flawless that night, and uh, he was on fire. And from the 11th inning to the 17th inning, five pitchers, Ron Taylor, Cal Coons, Bill Short, Dick Selman, Al Jackson would allow just four hits and two walks. Danny Fursell would come in and pitch five shutout innings. Now, that's one relief the way we like it, allowing four hits with four strikeouts and a walk. Don Wilson was matching Seaver pretty well there. He pitched nine shutout innings, allowing five hits, three walks, and striking out five. And uh, Astro pitchers John Buzzhart and Danny Cobbs, remember them? I'm sure you do. He got them to the 15th inning. From there, Jim Ray came on and pitched seven innings, striking out 11 Mets, allowing just two hits. And that was a pretty damn good performance when you think of 11 strikeouts, just two hits in relief for Jim Ray. Uh, Wade Blassingame came on and pitched the last four innings. Now, the Mets had two on the seventh, but Al Weiss grounded out to end the inning. 
the top of the ninth with two men on. Tom Seaver came to bat and rounded out to end that inning. In the top of the twelfth, the Mets had a big opportunity with Grody and Weiss both singling. But then, and Ken Boswell then singled as well. But Grody, uh, he was not exactly an express trade. More like a locomotive. Uh, he couldn't score. And then Tommy Agee grounded out to end the inning. Agee and Swoboda both went 0 for 10 on the night. Oi, 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 0 for 10. That's not good for your average come contract time. Uh, the Mets got two men on in 19, and a runner actually reached third base. Only three runners reached third base all night. But Jim Ray struck out Jerry Grody, and that's when Cleon Jones stole third. Then Danny Frisella came to bat, and Ray struck him out as well. So we could have used the DH that night, eh, folks? The last Met pitcher of the night was Les Rohr in the 22nd inning. Rohr walked Rusty Staub in a wild pitch advance in the second. With two outs, Bob Aspermani was walked intentionally, and then Roy, Rohr, Rohr, uh, easy for you to say, Rohr then struck out Julio Gote to extend the game. In the bottom of the 24th, Norm Miller led off with a hit. Les Rohr then balked him over a second. The toy cannon was given a free pass. Roy, Rusty Staub grounded out, and the runner advanced second and third. John Bateman was then walked to all the bases. And uh, next up, Bob Aspermani. Remember him? He was a former Met. He hit a ground ball to shortstop Al Weiss. Weiss committed an error, and Norm Miller crossed the plate at 1.37 a.m. to end the game. Ugh, those are tough ones. Too. A one nothing game is a heartbreaker regardless, but to lose a one nothing game like that on an error in the 24th inning, oi, oi. It's funny because the Mets four years earlier lost the longest day game in history at that time, a 23-inning, 7-hour, 23-minute loss to the Giants. And uh, that was that. And here's a little trivia question for you, or trivia fact. Behind the play for this game was uh, Ed Sudol from the Garden State, our Garden State here at New Jersey. And funny thing, Sudol was behind the play at Shea Stadium when the Mets and Cards on September 11, 1974, played a 25-inning game lasting 7 hours and 5 minutes. And that game is ranked as the second longest in history. So there you go. There's your uh, big day in, in Met history. <laughs> oh, man, what a marathon that was, huh, folks? Okay, so that's our day in Met history. And now, as always, we are going to go and give you the answer to our Trivia slash Jeopardy question of the day. Are you ready? Here we go. Gotta play the music first. Yes, here we go. The trivia question was, what Met player is the all-time leader in pinch hits? Now you've had enough time, so I'm sure you've locked in your answers. Okay, looks like everybody's locked in. Let's hope someone gets it right. The correct answer is Mark Carrion. Mark Carrion at eight pinch hit home runs as a New York Met and is the all-time leader in Met pinch hit home runs. So that's it for today. Uh, hopefully we get the game in this afternoon. We got uh, Jacob DeGrom going. And I hope it's a good one. Hope the weather holds up. And would a four-game sweep of the Phillies be nice? And then the Mets get to go to Colorado after this for a warm series. Well, I think Saturday it's supposed to be a high of like 19, is that correct? Well, let's take a one game at a time. Enjoy the day today. And as always, thanks for listening. It means so lot, oh, so much to me that you guys actually give the time of day to listen to me and ramble on about my beloved Nets and hopefully your beloved Nets. 
So if you like this uh, podcast, please do subscribe. And whoever you carry is, if you can leave a comment, leave a comment. And if you can subscribe, please do so. And uh, give us a like. And we'll be back tomorrow with some more amazing Mets baseball for you. Again, thanks a million for being Mets fans, and let's go Mets, and thanks for listening.